Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We're going to talk about believing with the heart. And I'd like to submit to you that there's three aspects of the heart. There's the intellect, there's the emotions, and then there's the will. And a lot of people use this verse, and they take it out of context, and they just have some emotional feeling that they had in their heart, and they connect that to salvation. And we have to be careful, um, because even though we're in the South, you're not automatically saved because you have Southern hospitality or because you were brought up in church and all of that. It's more than that. And so look at Luke chapter five and let's, let's look at some reasoning or some intellect. Salvation is simple, but it is also not to be trifled with because it's the most important decision anyone will ever make. And that's why it's so important we go through these matters and we'll try to do a bit of a deep dive on it. Luke 5. Um, in, in verse number 20, and the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? So these Pharisees are reasoning. And then verse 22, but when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered, he answering said unto them, what reason ye in your hearts? So in our hearts, we see what Jesus here is asking is there is reasoning that is going on within. There is some intellect that is happening in the depths of our heart so there is that aspect when you're believing in your heart there is some intellect there is some things you need to know and you need to believe so there's reasoning there's intellect there also are emotions connected go to second corinthians chapter number two because we do want to believe with the heart i mean the bible tells us that but we don't want to we don't want to mess that belief up or we want to understand what all that entails if we can. Second Corinthians 2. Second uh, Corinthians 2. And the Bible says in verse number three. And I wrote the same unto you lest when I came, I should have sorrow from them of whom I ought to rejoice. Having confidence in you all that my joy is the joy of you all. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote unto you with many tears, not that ye should be grieved, but that ye might know the love which I have more abundantly unto you. Now, I accented some words because here, for out of much affliction and anguish of heart, affliction is an emotion. Anguish is an emotion. Love is an emotion. Grieved is an emotion. And we see it here connected to 
the heart. So you've heard me say this before. When we look at the Bible, when we see words in the Bible, we have to rightly divide it the best we can. In the context of how God puts it, we see a variety of salvations. We, we talked about before, we saw a variety of gospels. We see a variety of kingdoms. And so when we see the word heart, we want to understand, okay, what is all, what all is entailed here? I think the three main things are intellect, emotions, and then will. Let's do one more in emotions. Go to Romans 2. Keep your finger in, in Romans 10, but go to Romans 2. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Romans 9. I'm sorry. Romans 9. Romans 9, verse number 1. I say the truth in Christ. I lie not. Romans 9. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. Verse 2, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow. Where? In my heart. So again, we see emotions tied here. Sorrow. Heaviness. Where is it? Heart. There's emotions connected to the heart. Also, will uh, go to the book of Acts and let's get the 11th chapter. Go back one book and get the 11th chapter. Acts chapter 11, verse number 23. Acts 11. Verse 23, who, uh, verse 22, then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart, they would cleave unto the Lord. There's not really intellect there. I guess you could. Say that not really. I mean, you could say some emotions, glad and gladness is there. But what I would like to look at is that with purpose of heart, they would cleave unto the Lord. That that will to firmly cleave, that will to have something firmly fixed in your mind. You've purposed it, and they were settled. This will, this purpose, this settling feeling. That this was their plan. So you've got intellect. You've got emotions. You've got will. Go to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter number 4. Verse number 32. Acts 4.32. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. That's a will that's saying, that's a heart of one heart, one soul that's saying, we have a willful connection. We have a willful union and the stuff that they own. It was almost like it's not mine, 
it's the Lord's, which means I'll share it with y'all. <laughs> and that's pretty good. <laughs> that's a pretty good purposeful will that you've got in your heart that you hold and you're firmly fixed. You're firmly fixed on that. They didn't regard their own possessions as their own. That's mine. Well, that's my gift. I'm, I'm going to do that. That's my gift. And you can just fill in the blank with different examples. <laughs> they were thinking of the team, of the church family, of Christ's body of whom they were a part of. And that's the way it ought to be. That's the way it ought to be. Uh, someone's sick, we ought to call them up. We ought to text them up. We ought to email them up. We ought to, they need, you need some food, we'll bring you some food. You need some medicine, we'll bring you some medicine. You need, but it goes beyond that. You got to care. You got to, you got something on your heart that you need to talk about. You need somebody to, there ought to be that. Oh, look, I know I've got a schedule. I know I've got a priority, but hey, I love you, brother. I love you, sister. And that's the way it ought to be. It's the care for one another. Where does that come from? It comes from the Lord. We know that. But it comes from a purposed heart. That obviously, yes, it's, it's for Christians, it's, we're being led by the spirit. We know all that. But we have this will, this emotion, this intellect. It's all connected to the heart. And go to Philippians chapter 4. And let's try to look at our emotions and our intellect and our will. And they're all important. And this verse, I think, ties up this thought. Philippians chapter 4. And verse number six, Philippians 4, 6. Okay. Trust everybody's there. Philippians 4, verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known unto God. That's a loaded verse for making things known to God. <laughs> How many times have you prayed, but there's been no thanksgiving in the prayer? <laughs> it's just, look, I need something. So here's my quarter. I'm going to put it in the vending machine and give it to me, God. <laughs> and verse 7 says, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know what these two verses are saying? Bring all of your emotions to God in prayer. Everything that you've got, bring it to him with thanksgiving in prayer. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's a good way to keep your emotions in check. You're not having a good day, ladies. You're not having a good day, gentlemen. Your emotions all out of whack. <laughs> This would be a good verse to turn to. I just don't know what to think anymore. Okay. Finally, brethren, 
whatsoever things are true, verse 8, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. <laughs> Why do we need an hour session once a week for 10 weeks to get counseling and we have to sit there and listen to all your problems? Why don't you just read the Bible and obey what it says? We can cure up a lot of problems in one session. <laughs> my thoughts aren't right. Okay, Philippians 4 says this. What are you thinking? of? Well, this is what my thoughts are. Well, quit it. Well, quit it. <laughs> quit thinking. Uh, Zig Ziglar used to call it stinking thinking. <laughs> That's pretty good truth. Quit thinking like that. Think on these things. I don't know how to do that. Well, get with one of the older saints and hang out with them for the weekend and they'll help you out. <laughs> They've been through enough to be able to help. I'm not making light of people that have problems because um, we all do. I'm trying to make light of the fact that we put too much stock in all of this counseling. Yes, we need counsel. That, that's a good thing. But a lot of times the Bible will teach us truth. And we just have to be willing to embrace that truth. Stop thinking on that dirty stuff and that awful stuff and that doom and gloom stuff. And think, think on some pure thing. And then verse 9, and by the way, you start thinking that way, guess what it's going to help? Your emotions, my emotions. And verse 9, it says, these things which ye have both learned, so you got to learn them, and received, okay, so you, you, you take it to heart, and heard, and seen in me, and here's the key word, do. That's the will that says, okay, now we got to do we got a purpose in our heart to do something. The God of peace shall be with you. Teaching and preaching involves the intellect being taught truth. So when you and I give gospel tracts out or when you and I speak to somebody, we are engaging their intellect. I mean, they want to, you understand the words that are being said and they're there's intellect involved. And emotions do come with that. And we pray that the Holy Spirit would conv so convict their emotions that they would trust in him. Psalm 34. Let's go back to the Old Testament. Psalm 34. Verse 11. We'll look a few verses here. Show this principle. Psalm 34, verse 11 says, Come, ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Is fear an emotion? It's a pretty strong emotion. I will teach you that. That's what that verse says. There's there's some intellectual knowledge happening here. There's some teaching that's happening here that's teaching someone to have an emotion that involves fear of the Lord. Go over to Psalm 111. Psalm 111 in the 10th verse. 
the Bible says, the rest of these verses you'll be very familiar with, Psalm 111, verse 10, the fear, that's an emotion of the Lord, is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments, his praise endureth forever. So you have, the, again, that emotion of fear, what is it connected to? Wisdom. It's, con it's connected to understanding. That all involves our intellect that God gave us. Let's go to the next book, following Psalms, the book of Proverbs, chapter 1. Proverbs 1, verse 7, the fear, there's that emotion again of the Lord, is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Again, when you look at that verse, obviously, you, you, you know by now we're keying in on that fear of the Lord, that emotion of fear, and we see knowledge connected to it. Look at the second half of the verse. But fools despise. That's a strong emotion. You ever despise something or somebody? Wisdom and instruction. There it is. The instruction that you would be able to receive, the wisdom you would be able to get and, and acknowledge, you just despise it. Proverbs 2, verse 5. A couple more. Proverbs 2, verse 5. The Bible says, Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Just another example of we have knowledge, that's your intellect. We have fear, that's an emotion. And they're connected together. Proverbs 8. Last one we'll look at. Proverbs 8, verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. That's a really strong emotion. Hate. And we should hate the things that God hates. And if it's evil, we should hate it. Pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. That's a pretty strong emotion. Fear of the Lord, all of that. And 14 times we see the phrase fear of the Lord that shows up in the book of Proverbs. You all know we Get some wisdom out of Proverbs, right? So that is important because if we stir somebody's emotions up without their intellect being spoken to, without that part of their heart being spoken to, we run the classic case of getting a false convert. And that is kind of why I'm going over this so that we don't get ourselves in that situation. What do you mean by that? You speak to somebody and you speak on an emotional level and they connect with that. But you don't tell them about their need for a savior. They don't understand that they're a sinner. So they see really no need for Jesus. But if he's going to kind of make my life a little bit better, sure, I'll put him up there with the NFL God, and I'll put him up there with the religion God, and I'll put him up there with the 
money God, and I'll put them up there with the, you know, the social God, and and they'll be fine with that. That makes them feel good. Oh, I got another one. And there can be many other examples where we just get someone's emotions stirred up so that they want something, but it's devoid of any truth. Because they know nothing about Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. They see no need for him because, quite honestly, they're all right. They're all right. So we need to be careful of that. We don't want a false convert on our watch. I know I don't, and I trust that you don't either. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, right? Now, we can do the same thing by giving them truth. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we got to be careful of this young people as well. So you're a sinner, right? Yes. And, uh, it, you know, for the wages of sin is death and the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And uh, you know that salvation is a gift, right? And this is all Bible truth. Uh, John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And, you know, God loves you. You agree God loves you. Yes, I, I do. And you can go over a couple of more and you make sure you get enough yeses, because if you get them to say yes enough, okay, well, now you can be saved and, 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 and here, repeat this prayer. And Well, we rushed them through a script and they got some Bible truth. But their emotions and their will weren't connected to that. They just said yes because you or I or whoever it is can sell it. And we're not selling Christ. Now, I use those verses when witnessing. I'm sure you do as well, right? We just want to be careful that we're not trying to get somebody to do something that their heart isn't into. So we got to be careful on one hand, not just stirring their emotions up and leaving without truth. And then on the other hand, we got to be careful. We're not trying to run them through a script that even though it's truth and they're getting some knowledge, it's just head knowledge. We know the Bible says the devils believe and tremble, right? You think you and I know more Bible than the devil? I don't think so. He knows that book. He knows it. He's got it. But he hates God and he's going to rebel against them. So this idea of the heart, we've got we've got emotions, we've got will, and we've got we've got intellect. Be careful. We don't want to make the gospel into a, a man-made sales pitch. Get Matthew 18. <clears throat> Matthew 18. This is the one verse in the Bible where the Lord says it's okay for you to commit suicide. I know that sounds harsh, but read the verse. Matthew chapter 18, verse number six. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones, Matthew 18, verse number six. Whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. God is so serious about little ones that he says, you're better off having someone take you out on a fishing trip. You 
tie a millstone around your neck, go ahead and jump off and drown yourself. Why? Because his little ones are important. And he's trying to draw this picture that, Lord, that's pretty harsh. I mean, really? You want somebody to do that? If you're going to cause one of my little ones to, yeah. That's how serious he is. Not his little ones. Now, I don't want anybody to go do that. I want people to be reverent. I want people to have enough reverence for the Lord to know that if they're going to minister to children in any way, they have got to know that children want to please. They're impressionable. And we can't use that against them to get them to walk an aisle or say a prayer or do something where they're just doing it to please mom or dad or the, you know, the youth preacher or the preacher or we're going down the line. We want to make sure that we have a genuine conversion. Lord's very serious about how children are treated. We do not want to offend them. So, have you ever bowed your head and prayed? I have. Have you ever closed your eyes and prayed? I have. Have you ever come up through the aisle at an altar and prayed? I have. Have you ever come up to a prayer bench? And, and, and pray. I have. No, there's nothing wrong with any of that. But we need to be careful. That we don't use those things. To elicit a response from someone. Who really. You're more into them getting. You're more into them responding than they are to, into responding. Because they're not responding to the Lord. They're responding to you. Now, how do you work all that out? I don't have all the answers. All I know is we need to be careful that we don't try to get someone to respond when the Holy Spirit ain't in that. So, these emotional appeal, appeal, you know, okay, everybody bow their head, everybody close their eyes, and now put your hand up if you want I'm sure you've been in meetings like that. I've been in, in, in stuff like that. I was, I, I did that before. <laughs> now, I didn't get saved, but I did the activity. I did the, I did what I was supposed to do. And you know how I felt? Well, wait a minute, that guy tricked me. I didn't know that was coming next. And someone tells me I'm saved. I'm like, what are you, what are you? Oh, I didn't know what was going there. You need to be careful of those things. We don't want to pray also on someone's life situation. Um, have you ever known what it's like to be an outcast or have you ever known someone that they just were an outcast in life? Don't take advantage of that. They're looking to fit in. And yes, we want them to fit in. We want them to be welcomed. But we don't want to take advantage of their situation. Um, if you've ever been in a, an abusive home or if you know someone who has been brought up in an abusive home, 
We need to minister to those people, but we don't want to use their life's situation to take advantage of it, to get them to say something that it, it, it's a false conversion. We need to minister to them truth. We need to be sensitive to their situation. We need to care for them, but we need to be able to say, okay, hold on. I know what you've been through, but you've got to know that you are a sinner. I know people have done bad things to you, and I know those people are bad people. But you, sir, just like me, are a sinner. And show them some Bible or go, go through some, ask them some more questions. Go through. There's a variety of ways to do it, but they have to come away with it knowing that, no, that they're a problem before God. It's not, I'm a victim and all these people did bad things to me and Christians are nice. And so now I'm there and I'm saying, no, it's not the gospel. Asking questions is key. Um, here's some good questions. Uh, why do you need to be saved? What specifically did Jesus do on the cross for you? Why did Jesus have to die on the cross for you? What happened after Jesus Christ died on the cross? Is Jesus God? What is repentance in your mind? Asking these questions helps open up the conversation so that you and I can better minister to lost people instead of just running through a script. Okay, now say you're saved. I don't want to. Pull my finger and say you're saved. Come on. I got a report to the Preacher's Fellowship next week, and I want to make sure I got 15 more than the other guy. All that is gospel shenanigans. And God, is, it just makes him sick to his stomach. We are not in this thing to make a name for ourselves. We are in this to make his name known. And it don't matter a hill of beans if I... The result I want is for God to be glorified. And that's the result we want at our local assembly is that God would be glorified. And if that means coming home with no conversions, but that night a lot of people are bowing their head, reading what we gave them and really chewing and thinking about the things of God, then bless his holy name. May I remind all of us there's a Holy Spirit. <laughs> And he'll lead and guide and all that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's great we're there, but we're not the Savior. We're not the Holy Spirit. So we do what we do for the King of Glory. All right, we can handle some more, right? We good? Amen. All right, all right, children. Children. God wants children to learn about him. Deuteronomy 31. Sunday school workers will appreciate this. All of us will benefit from it, but our Sunday school workers are going to be right in the heart of it. So Deuteronomy 31, verse number 12, all the way back in the Old Testament, God dealing with his people, the nation of Israel. The Bible says Deuteronomy 31, verse 12, gather the people together, men and women and children. And thy stranger that is within the gates, that they may hear, that they may learn and fear the Lord your God and observe to do all the words of this law. 
and that their children, which have not known anything, may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land, whether you go over Jordan to possess it. I know this is instructing the instruction of the nation. We're going to make some practical application. <laughs> we don't want to have the kids coming up crying and then have one of the Sunday school teachers say, well, you did we're supposed to teach them the fear of the Lord. I mean, <laughs> we don't want that. But there needs to be a healthy teaching and a healthy dose of a reverence for the Lord, a fear of the Lord. And we see that they're learning and they're taught to observe and they're taught to fear the Lord God. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. We want that for our children. Go to Psalm 34. We looked at it earlier, connecting the fear of the Lord with the instruction, but we'll read it again. Come, ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. It's, it, it's something that can and should be taught. We should be taught to fear God. Isaiah 40. When, when, when people get into the military and they're 18 or 19 or 20, uh, they fear they're a drill sergeant. And they don't talk back. They do whatever he says. They don't question his authority. There's a lot of Christians that just have a hard time. Why do you have a hard time following a boss or a drill sergeant or a coach? But then when it comes to God, we just kind of get all bent out of shape. You know, if you're in sports, the football coach says you need to be on practice on time. And if you're five minutes late, you're running a lap around the and, and you show up and you say, yes, sir, coach. <laughs> and you show up the next day and you do what he says and he, and he works you to death and you love him for it. But then we get saved and the Lord says, well, I expect a few things from you. Christians get all bent out of shape. What's God, legalistic? No, we don't say that about your coach. <laughs> Nobody calls their drill sergeant legalistic. If God says don't lie, why are you thinking God's legalistic? Because he expects you and I not to lie. If he says go to all the world and preach the gospel, why do you think God's legalistic when, or God's people are legalistic and say, hey, we're going to go out and, well, what are you saying? That's going to get me saved? No. If, but if um, what I'm saying is if you are saved, I'd like to help teach you some fear of the Lord <laughs> and some desire to want to serve him. And that's a healthy thing. A healthy thing to have. Isaiah 40, verse 11. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom. And shall gently lead those that are with young. You know how we, good principle for ministering to young children, um, gently lead them. Gently lead them. And you need to be careful when you pick up a little lamb. Matter of fact, the easiest way to pick them up is you just get their legs and you don't come under the belt. You just kind of grab them around and just get all, all their legs in there. Just bring them up. 
just like this. It'll just sit right there, right, right in your, right in your arm. You just carry those little lambs around. And next thing you know, they end up in the house, and then they end up in the bed, and then they end up in a bottle, and, and they got a diaper, and there it is for ten days until <laughs> dad finally says, "Everybody out, <laughs> that's enough." <laughs> but your jet, it's a gentle guiding. And how are we going to minister to children that way? That way. We want opportunities for them to have their questions answered. We want opportunities for them to be saved through children's ministry. We want all of that there. We want to be sensitive, though, that we don't force something that the Holy Spirit isn't in. So we just want to be sensitive to all of that. Um, go to Proverbs 8. Proverbs 8. Proverbs 8, verse 17. Proverbs 8, 17. And then get, uh, get Ecclesiastes. Next book over chapter 12. Last chapter of Ecclesiastes. Proverbs 8 and Ecclesiastes 12. Proverbs 8, verse 17. We'll do that first. It says, I love them that love me. And those that seek me early shall find me. We have age specific. Uh, the, the Sunday school I'm, I'm talking about specifically now for kids. And um, we did a one day VBS through the, through the summer. And, um, you know, we put flyers all around the neighborhood. And why? Because we want children to come and be ministered to and, and hear the gospel. And, so that they're at, a, at an early age, at a young age, they're seeking spiritual things. They're seeking uh, what it is about this Jesus. And that's what we want. And young kids here, you have a great opportunity to be able to minister to those children that come and visit. And we want to continue to do that. But this principle here is... You, you just, the older you get, the more hardened you get by sin. Statistically, people get saved at a younger age more. The older you get without salvation, the more hardened your heart is. Now, I got saved at a later age. Many of you may have as well. So obviously God can save at any age. I'm just saying that it'd be nice for young people to seek God at a young, young, young age. And that's what we desire to do here. Ecclesiastes 12, verse number one. The Bible says, remember, Ecclesiastes 12, one. Now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Serve God in your youth. Young people, remember your creator when you're young. And it'll stick with you. So this idea of young people, they can be ministered to. Last one we'll look at in the New Testament. Last one on this one will be 2 Timothy. Third chapter, 2 Timothy 3. 
And we see Timothy, verse number 15 in chapter 3. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. A child can be saved. They understand intellect. They understand right from wrong. Out of Timothy, well, his grandmother, his mother, all in the Bible. Matthew 18. We'll do two more and close it out. Do a part two next Sunday. Matthew chapter 18. What's Jesus' attitude toward children? Matthew 18, verse number two. And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest, is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Heaven. What's connected to children? Humility. Humility. And goes back to, you know, the older we get without salvation, we, we're in our 20s, we're in our 30s, we're in our 40s, we're in our 50s, the less and less we have of humility. I don't know how you would describe it any other than with just the effects of sin. We, we've, not, we've been without Christ, without Christ, without Christ, without Christ. And now all of a sudden we got to come to this place where we're face to face with the truth and we have to humble ourselves before a holy God and say, God, everything I've believed has been wrong. And that's a tough thing to do. Last one, Matthew 19. And then we will pray. Matthew 19. Jesus's attitude towards children is bring them to him. Matthew 19, verse 13. Then were they brought unto him, little children, he should put his hands on them and pray, and the, and the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, Suffer little children, and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. He laid his hands on them and departed thence. And I know that there's a time and a place for everything. I know that you know, there's a time when the adults are going to be speaking and the children are going to be playing and, and I understand all that. There's also time for. It's a blessing for adults to invest in the young people in the church. A good job and add a boy and add a girl. A, hey, what'd you learn in, in Sunday school? Uh, you know, a throw of the football a few times, a, you know, a. All of these types of things where we are saying, you know what, we are, yeah, we have other interests, adult interests, but you know what, we're interested in you. We want to know how the Lord's working in your life. And showing some interest in them goes a long way. And we want to inculcate that here in an appropriate way so that children know they come, it's a safe place, and that we're interested in their spiritual growth. Jesus was. He said, suffer not, little children, come on to me. 
Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.